Hello and welcome to episode 12 of The Stuff of Stories. My name's Ian Pringle and I'm here with... Sarah Jane Rose. That's not that how wrong. we do it. That's so not how we, we do it. it. That is not the introduction. Oh, God. This is live. We're doing <laughs> Stuff of Stories well, we're, live and Ian has already done I've it. I've already wrong. messed it up. Do it again. Already. Okay. Episode 12 of The Stuff of Stories. I'm Ian Pringle and I'm here with Sarah Jane Rose. And I'm Sarah Jane Rose and I'm here with Ian Pringle. But that's not the only people we're here with today. So we're also here with uh, Frankie. Say hello Frankie. Hello. Um, and we are here with Maddie. Hello. Savannah. Hello there. And Georgina. Hello. And they are all from Petticoat Council. So we have today an extra special episode for you. Not only do we have live music, uh, we have the writer, Frankie Meredith, who we're going to be chatting to, and we have the cast of Petticoat Council, which is Frankie's play, which is about to tour. Um, and it's all, there have already been some performances uh, next week. And we're going to have a little bit of chat about how that came about and what's happening with it. Yes, yeah, so we're going to have a bit of an extract of that, aren't we? Yeah. And I think, is this the first time that we've had because uh, we've done a sort of improvised theatre thing, but this is the first kind of script thing um, that we've uh, had where we're looking at a script that's written and talking to an author of that script as well. I think it's the first story the first, yeah, in script yeah. form that we've, that we've talked about on the show, isn't it? It is. It's, uh, yes, it's definitely the first play. Yeah. Uh, yes, we yeah. have got some other stuff coming up. We have. Some audio drama stuff. That's true. Uh, but this, yeah. is, this is the first play we've talked that's about on the stuff of stories. Yeah, yeah. So let's hear a little bit of Petticoat Castle. Okay, so let's hear a bit of the play now. I'm giving you everything All that joy can bring Yes, I Once upon a time... No one says that anymore. Uh, in a land far, far away. But she's going for it anyway, so... Not that not. far, just in the middle of this land, where we are today. There lived a group of women. Not in a commune, nothing like that. No, no, in a, in a village. 
quite far away from the nearest town. Right, a village, your typical village, with a few houses, a couple of farms. Building of religious worship and cult-like practice. A post office, office, which was the social platform of the day. Where you sent your correspondence, received your correspondence. And found out what everyone else was up to. (laughs) Basically, this story of these women didn't happen in a city. It isn't in London, or Manchester, or Birmingham. Although it's near Coventry. It's from a place you wouldn't expect. A place you wouldn't expect a revolution to happen. Are we saying revolution? Revelation. And from women, you wouldn't expect to start a revolution. Revelation. And where do revolutions begin? Like everything, they begin with a mother. Mm. Mother is there. She's always there. She has to be. We begin with Kate. This is Kate. Oh, Kate is now 98 and lives in a nursing home in Northampton, but for our sake... This is Kate. Born in 1920, the first of seven children, Kate's childhood was tough. Food was scarce, fun was made up, and sleep was eventful, as it involved sharing a bed with five of her siblings. And being the eldest girl... Oh, we all know what eldest daughters are like, am I right? Mm. What people expect of them. Mm. Her parents both worked the land. It was the only work around here. Which meant that they were out from dawn till dusk. And Kate was left to look after the kids. But Kate was resourceful. By the time she was 10, she was buying penny sweets from the village shop and selling them at a hugely inflated price at the infant school. At 16, she was drawing a line of coal up the backs of her legs to make it look like she was wearing stockings. And with these wobbly black stripes tracing their calves up past the backs of their knees, her, her sister, Pip, and her best friend, Dot, that's top, would go to the late 1930s equivalent of out out the dance hall females in the middle males lined up against the wall oh it was what teenagers did before being a teenager was a thing the decade before they were invented this is where she met him lovely and uh, we've got we've got a little bit of an audience now yeah, um so uh say hello audience maybe you could just clap or something on your own <laughs> <laughs> they they're really there they really are there there's actually an audience it's live now um yeah that was can you so i was trying to picture that a little bit because it's story the storytelling isn't there it feels very sort of storytelling and i'm wondering where these people are as they're making this story as we, as we see the show without giving too much away frankly because i'm sure you want people to come and see the show but Tell us about that setting. Yeah, uh, it's, you just heard the storytellers who, as you said, they set the scene for what the story is going to be about. What we didn't hear is just after this, they do go into the characters that the play is about. So the whole play, you're kind of flitting between these storytellers and the characters and all four girls play, all the, the storytellers and the characters within this village that it's, uh, that the story is from. Okay, tell us about a village that the story's from. Yeah, it's um, so it's based on my great aunt who's called Ivy Payne, and she set up the first 
female majority council in Britain and this is set in Bishops Itchington which is 20 minutes from here um, a really small back then tiny tiny rural village in Warwickshire and you were rehearsing there today so. we were rehearsing there in the community centre today mm -hmm. yeah which they're all they're very passionate about this story from there we did it um, as part of the community tour earlier in the summer and it was just magical wasn't it we had a really yeah. good response there and there what's the community tour so we opened at Warwick Arts Centre in June and then uh, we'd had three nights there and then we went to community um, centres around Coventry and Warwickshire. Okay, so touring the play, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of like touring people around the, the village in some kind of like, community. <laughs> Come and see our community, this is the tour. The tour for our community starts at nine o'clock. <laughs> no, Sorry. we toured the play to community. Okay, yeah, that makes <laughs> that more makes sense, sense to me. Yeah. So, you, so the, the story's based on uh, on your aunt, yeah. your great aunt. Was that a story that you always knew that had been passed down or was it something that you discovered recently? Yeah, I've known that for a long, long time. I think I was about 12 when my dad showed me the newspaper clippings in our back room. I can still remember him doing it. Um, and like proper old newspaper clippings, they weren't scanned or anything. Um, yeah, and so I knew this story, uh, didn't really think about it as a teenager, because you don't really think about stories when you're a teenager. And when I became a writer, I just thought I have to tell it. And it's taken quite a few forms to get to where it is today. So even eight years ago, I think Georgina and Maddie and some other actors and I were uh, R&D, research and developing it, kind of deciding what this story was going to be. And it was only in 2018 that the form of the storytelling uh, took place in that. Was spot. it always going to be a play, or was it sort of? Did you go through different devices to work out uh, how you're going to tell the story? It was always going to be a play. I always wanted it to be a play. Some people have said this would make a really good film when you hear what the story's about, but it was always going to be a play. Okay. And so you say you've worked with the cast. You know the cast for a, for a very long time. Then, so yep. Uh, Georgina and I trained at drama school together, and uh, one of the other actors who's not here, Maddie, I've known. For ten years, and Savannah, we auditioned this year. Yeah, I'm a newbie. Yeah, she's slotted in very well. But that's great that there's so much history uh, in not just in the the story itself, and in terms of your family, but even with the cast that you've got now. So, oh yeah, you know, that's, that's we really we very much want it to be a tale. When we first started um, creating what it's become, it, we sat around and talked about. I asked each of the actors. We had a room of fifteen. I asked them to bring a story of a woman in their, from their family um, who'd overcome something. And it was fascinating because I don't think anyone chose their mum. They all chose aunties or great aunts or grandmas because um, and we, we, had so, we were talking so much and we um, told these stories and talked a lot about how women tell stories and we're really bad at telling our own stories. Yeah, yeah. But we're really good at telling, at bigging up other people and other women's stories. So that was something that... I wanted to put in this. And that's where, so the line that they say in the um, in the beginning about there's always a, a mother and it's that kind of storytelling nature of, of a mother mm -hmm. telling. Uh, yeah, it, telling yeah it's not the, it's Never not a uh, mother, someone, yeah, yeah. someone else's and always kind of the one that, that, that starts from and how she passes it on. So the, we talk in, on Stuff Stories, talk a lot about the kind of the stuff of stories. And one thing that we come back to a lot in storytelling is this idea of the elders and the stories that are held. And so, this is a, a kind of a story that's been held within your family. It's a familial story, but also it's a wider story. So what did it feel like to start 
telling that story. You said that you said an interesting thing. You said when I became a writer. So it was obviously a moment for you where you, if stories are a, a ritualistic thing of crossing a threshold or the passing on of stories across, so you must have crossed the threshold. So what was that about? What happened for you in that moment? That's really interesting. I maybe it's having a bit more experience and kind of feeling worthy of passing that story on because it is quite a big thing and when you tell people what this story is about and what these women achieved because they took um they really transformed such a rundown village and got social housing electricity running water um it, it's quite powerful and people can have got quite emotional watching it which is lovely um but yeah making sure that I was worthy to tell the story, the story was going to be good enough, and the people that were telling the story, the characters, were also worthy of it. So it was a responsibility, you felt? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's, cause it's so personal. Yeah. And that decision then to, uh, within the play, to make it, uh, to, to create the storytellers, mm -hmm. and, and then have them play the multiple thing, what, what, how did that come about? So I've got pages and pages on my laptop of the story in so many different play forms, no storytellers, characters, and it just never, I could never get across what this meant. I don't, I, it just wouldn't come out. And then as soon as I met the storytellers, I do remember I would, I would come into the next person and be like, I've got all these pages, <laughs> read them. And it just came out really quickly. So that was, yeah, great. So Felt you right. guys were involved in, in, in that process. So you were there at the, at the start of that. So Maddie and I have both done various different sections, haven't we, of research and development? Because Maddie, I think you were in the very first? Very first. Very first mm -hmm. room. And then later on, um, Frankie had a little bit more of an idea about how she wanted to tell the story. And at that point, like she said, she had sort of 15 of us in the room and we were all kind of working on um, lots of different characters from this village and, and much more on the storytelling kind of aspect. Um, and talking directly to the audience. And then from that, the full script developed later and, and Frankie then ran with it and made the full length play. You must be incredibly passionate about this story, been involved for it for so, it's incredibly, it's very unusual for a cast of a, of a play to be involved in so much of it and for so long. Mm. So you must have a huge sort of affiliation with the project. How does that feel to be telling the story now? Yeah, I think it's because um, it's, it is a really personal story, but I think you kind of hit on it really well, actually, Ian, that it's a personal story, but with a really wide influence. And so it does speak to so many of the things that we care about and that we're passionate about, about women in politics and grassroots people getting things done and doing things for their community. Um, so I think that's why it was so special, because not only did it feel personal, but it also felt like there was something that we could then pass on that was bigger as well. And what's been, so you said the reaction at, at Bishop's Itching, I can't even say Bishop's Itchington. You almost said something I don't else. Want to know. <laughs> I'm not way to say Bishop's Itchington. And uh, um, you said the reaction from the, the community has been really good. Did they know, were they familiar with the story before you kind of retold it to them? Or, or has there been a lot of people going, you didn't even know that happened? Uh, totally different. So some people didn't know this had happened and were really thankful and grateful. Um, uh, and then one gentleman got in touch it's also kind of reunited our family a little bit because John who is my so my great aunt's son 
who has his birth in this play got in touch because the family we're from quite a big family and it's nothing happened we just drifted as families do and he saw it on the local news and got in touch and said this is about my mum so um he came along and yeah i think it was just bringing the community together and bringing a family together they were just so excited by it weren't they, mm. they he was giddy when he arrived which is really... So that's, that's we've exactly got a live musician yeah. in the room, yeah. and I just think every now and again we should punctuate a sentence yeah. with an appropriate moving piece of music. I also wondered if while well, well, we just got one, we're on music. I mean, could each of us have a sort of particular sound? Have you, have you got something from Georgina? What are you gonna have? <laughs> Don't take it personally. Whatever it is that shows me. Oh, okay. nice. very nice. Very she's, nice. She's often right. Often yeah. right. Yeah. There is something really right about that. Yeah, so, very is, detailed, yeah. very correct. precise, correct, <laughs> on time. Yes, please. Georgina, thank you very much. Savannah. Oh, what's that? 100%. Oh, that's really good. I love it. Okay, yeah. What is that? Does that feel appropriate to Savannah's character? In the, yeah. Yeah, right. We were talking about Tarot earlier today. Yeah, so, that so maybe that's it. Mystic. More, more me. Yeah, yeah, but very not, yeah, the character's a bit more kind of. Can okay, you tell us what right. that instrument is? Uh, yeah, this is a kalimba. Ooh, this. Or a finger piano. To the oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing. And Maddie. Oh, oh yes. Oh. <laughs> 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 that is strong. It's, it's bassy, it's vibrant. Everything that you are. I feel like I'm on QI. That's what it's turned into, hasn't it, really? Um, okay. Um, well, we need one for Frankie. We need one for Frankie. Of course we do. We can't leave Frankie out and not have one. Oh. Oh. Ooh. That's a good one. Can I ask? Can I ask? Have you... Have you been... As a process of making this place, so you've gone and done it in a community and, and in that community, which is interesting. So they've perhaps learned something of their, their stories, their past stories in their community because of that. Um, have you, all of you, kind of talked to other people about that story? Yeah. And how's that been received from different people? Because how's that going? I think it's, it's really inspiring because what's interesting is when Frankie got in, back in touch and said, we're going to take this out on tour this year, it's going to happen. Obviously, you touched on the fact that lots of people were like, oh, parish council politics, everyone's talking about that at the yes, moment. You're like, yes, but this is, yeah. But what I think, what that chimed into and what this as well, the, the thing that they have in common is not just the Jackie Weaver women in politics. Yeah. It's about saying that just because you're from a small village, and if you're a woman or a person from a marginalised community, it doesn't mean you can't make a difference. Yeah. And I think that particularly, so I grew up in the Cotswolds, my granny and granddad had a farm in, in Fenny Compton, which is a couple of villages over from Bishop Sitchington. Another which brilliant is, name. Um, yeah. That area exactly. of the world just has astonishing towns. Falling over continents. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I think definitely when you grow up in a little village in the middle of the countryside, there can be a feeling that you're not connected to cities and towns, which mm. are places where feel like that's where decisions are made and that's where things happen. And so this story, for, for me, and when I've talked to people about it, it feels very much like an individual has just as much right and just as much ability to make their stamp on the world. Effect, totally. Yeah. And I think that's what's really resonated with people. And I think it also came at a, a good time for this piece in the world is opening up again. 
post-COVID. This is about women building up a community in a post-war era. And there was that feeling that people kept referencing of coming together again. We made, we did a lot of outside performances, so older people felt safe or vulnerable felt mm. safe to come and see it. Um, and there was just this feeling when we did it that, that you know, it wasn't just about this story, it was about what it meant and what it meant in this time right now. I also think as well, like, it's the time of the woman at the moment. Like, there's so much that is, like, happening for women in terms of, I know in some places there isn't, but it seems like it's going a bit backwards, but I think that there's a lot more of a light shone on it now in terms of women's rights. And, and then whenever I've spoken to anyone and said, you know, this is about the first all-female council, it's kind of like, wow, you know, because that was such a big thing. For, for the time, and it's it's a story that you don't often hear about. So, and there was yeah. one man, and there was one man. The female majority oh, council, so it made yeah. so that we don't totally alienate your male list. <laughs> yeah. there is there is a man, but we don't talk about him. He gets no airtime. Do do any of you get to play the man? No, is it just talked about? I get to play a man. A man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's not on the council. Oh, he's not the man. Female. Oh no, and you play. We four? play. Oh, they yeah, play the original council as well. That they overthrow. Yeah. Very fun. Is he a problematic? Well, is he a problematic member of the council, or he's just he's just a? Well, that man we don't no, we don't, don't dwell on at all because it's very it's at the very end of the story, which we don't want to spoil, obviously, but no. we kind of have already told you that they're <laughs> um, when they eventually they do. do get what they are hoping for. There is one man. So it's four. Is it right saying there's four four women? Yeah, and, and one man on the council okay. that they that they vote in at the end. Yeah. So yeah, so he's an unnamed character. Yeah, completely. Yeah, like, yeah, don't say anything about him. But there are a couple of men in it. Where's it sit with this? I know it's probably slightly off, but, the, but there's a. Like at the same time as there's an absence of, or too much of an absence of women in politics still, and too much mm -hmm. of an absence of councillors in politics still, in, in, uh, women in councils, local councils, village councils, town councils, all those things. Uh, but also there is a, like a, an absence of knowledge about politics in general. So a large number of young people might not and middle-aged people, mm. a large number of people, wouldn't necessarily know that you have councils. And it sounds pretty stupid, but I work with young people sometimes and yeah, talk about that. And they point, don't. So I'm wondering what what something like this can do to, this, a story like this can do. Are people feeling inspired more broadly, not just as women, but just mm. in, in more inspired or more knowledgeable, taking away something. I don't know. Maybe that's like, can, can you, yeah. can, do, you know, do you, do you come away from that going? Well, I was going to talk about that in terms of empowerment. Mm. In that, um, you come away from it going, actually, you know, how hard is it to get involved in a council mm. and make a difference? Oh, yeah. Does that kind of come across a little bit? In the there play? is a there's a scene in, in yeah. the play where that kind of it is the catalyst. Something something there's a big catalyst in the play, which yeah. is what happens to Kate. Uh, something happens to her daughter. And it makes them all sit around and go, oh, we wish things were different. Mm. And which, which are conversations that everyone has had in the pub, in the playground, in the whatever. You go, oh, that's annoying that authority is like this. And someone goes, ah, well, nothing we can do about it, yeah. right? And I think that what this play and what that particular scene does is these four women have this conversation where one of them goes, but, but, but can't we though? Well, what if we tried? Yeah, what if we tried? What if we asked? Well, the people that you have to ask are a nightmare. Well, should we try? Yeah. And so they try and they get kicked back and then they keep trying and then they go, well, let's change the system then. Mm -hmm. And I think politically at the moment, that's what a lot of people yeah. in, in, certainly in, in Britain are feeling. Um, if the people making the rules are wrong, 
what do you do? And I think that is a conversation that, that is empowering and that is making people go, well, then we protest and we rally. And we've seen that over the last year and a half in particular. People going, nope, we're not just going to shut up. We're going to do something. It's persistence above resistance. Yeah. Persistence. persistence. Above resistance. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> does, does the play leave room for that at the end in terms of an audience interaction or a, a communication or a kind of anything in which people have the opportunity to talk about this? Yeah, I, yeah, it, a lot of the audience that we had have been older mm. yep. from these communities, and but so much of the feedback has been get this in front of young people. Yes, mm. schools, um, things, schools. Yeah. I think we need to actively, after this talk, talk about how we take it to them because on the whole, older people do know that there's parish council. They know mm. that's a thing. Maybe they don't know how much influence you can have if you talk to the right people, but I think we need to do something as a company mm. in getting it in front of younger people yeah. Yeah. so that that opportunity is there and we can have that conversation. So say a bit about you as a company then. So what, Petty yes. Coat Council is the name of the, of the play. play. And then Boys Club is my company um, and Steph Hartland Productions is the production company. Um, and yes, that, that's okay. who we are. And what, are you, and what are you hoping to do in terms of the sort of future of that company? What, what yes, I'm. Of? Well, so this is the first time I've directed anything. So I wrote and directed it. Um, what I would like to do is use this to. I don't know where Petticoat's life is after this, but certainly, Boys Club. I want. I'd love it to be Midlands-based, female majority. Carry on that theme. <laughs> don't mind if some men want to be involved. Um, but yeah telling stories that will make people ask questions and ask questions about themselves um, but also have a good time and an entertaining time I think yeah um, we're not interested in taking things to London people are like when is it coming to London not interested mm. want to keep it up here want to keep it Midlands based um, yeah and tell, just tell some good stories have you got the next story you want to tell in your mind um, I'm no, I'm currently telling another one <laughs> with the theatre company with another theatre okay. company um, that has recently been at the, with the Belgrade. Um, there's a few stories brewing, but they're at little they're at seed stage at the minute. <laughs> Makes me think about like you know this. This was a sm the thing about this is the small village, the small the you know the, the small people in a way, and I mean that in a in a positive way. I think that that do are trying to do something which should just be every day. So it's not groundbreaking. It's not. It's not Pankhurst. It's not. It's like a. It's like a smaller thing of that. And I guess, in the modern day, maybe we don't tell the stories that celebrate that actually somebody just sort of moved on from a. To, that, that enabled themselves to do something that was a bit more every day. So, something powerful in that. I think we were talking about that before. Yeah. Um, one of the episodes. It's about that telling these um, these smaller stories that do matter. Like we always feel like we have to tell this bigger story, yes. like, and, and this actually is a big, you know, it is a big story. Yeah. But that, but it's come from a kind of smaller place, and and those small stories are really important, and those familial stories, mm. and you know, they can make a difference and, and make a change. But the modern world is prone to, you know, taking on these. Yeah. 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 Do you know what's yeah. nice about it is that you you've interpreted it because I think because you found that. We haven't entirely interpreted it because your dad interpreted it, and there's, there is a past, there is a history, and maybe you've not spoken to your great great great, great aunt. Great aunt. Um, but you're kind of first person interpretation of that. Whereas anything that's bigger, 
it's history, isn't it? And somebody else has already interpreted it. So it's quite nice to own a story in that way that you do a little bit more. With this, I think that was a bit of a shock to some people that came to see the story because a lot of the coverage before we had, particularly Warwick and the Community Tour, were very much, look what these women did and this is who they were. And in some of the articles it was pictures of the women and they're a bit older than the actresses and the names aren't quite the same. And some people came and, and as much as they loved it, they said, but it wasn't like that in some bits. So I think it is, people do hold their own stories quite dear, but you have to, I couldn't have told it exactly as it is because I wasn't there, and I or I'd have told John's story, but it but this was my story. This is like our story. Yeah. Cool. Um, Good. Well, I think Zin is there here. Oh yeah, them yeah. They, the, those uh, people. Do, uh, over there. Don't feel pressured. Yeah. Our lovely, our lovely little audience. Yeah. But if you have any questions, then go for it. And I know I happen to know. Don't mind that. But you have seen it's live. It's live. Our audience seen have seen it. the full play. We've yeah. When when your uh, uncle was there, you yeah. met John, yeah. didn't you? Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, we were outside, and he said, "It's about me." It's about me. Oh, it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and it was fantastic. Yeah, it was brilliant. In talking of interpretation, he said, "Shut the window." Me. Could shut the window. It might help. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out it'd be my band. He said afterwards about the relationship between uh, the, the, his mum and dad. They yeah. said, but it wasn't quite like that. He like, well, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So the 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 husband is um, Pete. he's been at war. He's got PTSD. He's a troublesome character. Yeah. And and, he, and John says he was like, my dad was a lovely man and never touched a drop of alcohol. But it's still drama, isn't it? So yeah. you have that there is kind of elements yeah. that you've yeah. got to yeah. have. Yeah. I think John yeah. understood that in the yeah. end. I mean they came yeah. to see it three times, so yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. uh, yeah. 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 Really yeah. I think it I think people should go and see it. I, I mean I coming from an actor's point of view, I loved watching everybody change characters so often how many who had the most characters to play? I think you usually don't you or do I have the most characters? I think you do. In one moment, oh. she has this. She, I love her so much because she goes from um, like off, uh, factory off worker yeah. to storyteller to Evelyn, one of the council members, within yeah. two seconds. Yeah, it's yeah. phenomenal it's to watch. Yeah. Thank you so much. I feel like yeah. I have deserved my little bell. <laughs> 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 Great. So we're going to move on to um, the final part of the show now. Oh, and we, I feel a bit worried then. We, I, th I thought what we'd try and do is we come do. up for a, a jingle. Oh, oh what now? For, yeah, for, oh, okay. for what, if, what <laughs> have you been listening to? Yeah, okay, good. Um, so... What, what, can we, we ask the... Yeah. Why don't we ask these guys oh, exactly. what they've been listening exactly. to? Exactly, that's um, what I thought and we then, do. Um, and you can kind of... So we're after a new jingle. New jingle. Yeah. Sort of making demands on our... On the spot. <laughs> um, For the last bit of the podcast, which is where we just talk about what we've been listening to, other podcasts, audio dramas, etc, etc, etc. So so assuming that you have been listening to, what are you well, listening to? What about the jingle? What, um, well, she could, I, mean, I thought she might hear the stuff first. She hasn't, she hasn't heard this piece. Oh. She hear it first, then she can make it. She just improvise it out of nothing. We're recording it now, so like we'd have How the jingle before we do. How about a preliminary 
All right, so first go try on. it, Go on then. Yeah. Go on then. Okay, and then so now once I've time. heard it, okay. I'll see if it changes. Okay, cool. Do, that. do you want to introduce it or me? You do. Okay. Now it's time for what have you been listening to? I listen. I listen to an awful lot of This American Life. Oh, I um, love that. I just love the storytelling in it. Um, every episode, there's something interesting and different. And people's what we were saying earlier about small stories. So often they're they're small moments, but you really get into depth about why that was important and how that rippled out for that person. And I absolutely adore it. That style is really nice as well, isn't it? Mm. That kind of investigative journalist. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. yeah. Highly recommended. Brilliant. <laughs> I love that. Um, which is quite in line with what I was going to say, actually, because I'm quite a spiritual, esoteric sort of person, very much into kind of astrology. Um, Everything a bit weird and wonderful, and um, there's a podcast that I've been listening to by a lady called Kagi Dunlop, and it's called Saturn Returns, and essentially it's about this kind of point of time in everyone's life, which is called, astrologically, it's called Saturn Returns, and it usually happens around 29th, 30th year of everyone's life, and it's kind of when you go through a lot of deep change and self-transformation, and she's got the fourth series coming out, this week I think actually and she partners with a lot of people kind of in astrology in kind of moon cycles um, all these kind of great interesting elements to kind of spirituality um, and she talks about various different things about personal experiences and kind of what the reasons are behind that and how it aligns to this um, astrological Saturn returns so it's very very interesting Wow this is going to be very fitting with that. <laughs> so, I, somewhat narcissistically, I have been listening to something that I recorded. Um, <laughs> I, it's a five-part comedy thriller drama called *The Wrath of Josie Steggles*. Hundred <laughs> percent. It was a play, and then it got adapted to be a, what they call it a pod play. So it's five. 10 minute episodes and it's about this woman called Josie Steggles who works in a bookshop after graduating university and she has stayed there and doesn't want to move back home with her parents and one day on a work night out that she's hating she leaves and falls over in the street and a bouncer laughs at her and she makes it her mission to get her revenge Wow! and it's great (laughs) it's on Spotify what was it called again? The Wrath of Josie Steggles. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just follow me around everywhere? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm very... Okay. Oh, Jackie. Oh, Jackie. Jackie. Love that. Um, short stories, her, her short stories at the minute. Oh, okay. 
Who's um, narrated them, is it? Which one you listening to? I don't know. No, I've got a nice deep... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you look like you know, Rianne. No, no, you just like, you know. know. I, I oh. do know, because it's what it's... Um, and I've completely forgotten his name. Um, are you going to look it up? Okay, no, yeah, look up. Um, yeah, which are gorgeous little stories. They're perfect. Um, and po- I podcast at the minute, my go-to is parenting podcasts to tell me what to do <laughs> and how to get through this. <laughs> yes. Or at least know you're not the only one that's going, oh my God. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, mine's really boring. Oh, wait, you don't have a jingle. Oh, oh I don't have a jingle. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, uh, because I've been uh, for uh, so some of my other work involves wine, um, and oh so <laughs> sorry, that's not your work. Sometimes I have to faff about and taste wine and stuff. Hard life. Um, <laughs> and but I'm, uh, I'm at, it's English wine is becoming much much bigger. So I'm having to do uh, a lot more research into that and, and helping clients get their heads around English wine and uh, supply and everything. So I've been listening to, I've been cheating by listening to a podcast about English wine, <laughs> um, and uh, which is called the English Wine Podcast. Uh, and uh, but that's but it's really interesting. And he, and he goes and he talks to sort of some of the different um, people that came around. I'm now trying to remember the name of the guy who originally sort of start, effectively started off what has now become the, uh, the big thing that is English wine, which is English sparkling wine became really, mm. I'm gonna get, I'm sorry. In the, sa- well, the South Downs was the first sort of Yeah, um, yeah. but what happened was, um, which is very similar to what happened in France, is it was effectively a mistake. So in order to make sparkling wine, the second fermentation has to happen in the bottle, unless you're cheating um, and doing soda street wine. Um, but he made a batch of wine, sold it, um, and then it got returned, like the whole pallet got returned, with a sign on the back that said, out of condition. And he was like, oh, God, So they tasted it, and it was like, well, yeah, it is a bit, but do you know what? If we were French, what we'd do is just add a bit of sugar, a bit of extra yeast, stick it in the cellar for a couple of years, and call it champagne. So that's what they did, and that was how the oh. English sparkling wine um, came back. And I'll have to try and remember the names of the new artists I've forgotten. I've got the name of the Agatha. Oh, who's oh. the Agatha? It's not new, actually, who is it? Oh, it's Hugh Fraser. Oh, yes. Um. Captain Hastings. Captain Hastings, that's what I was thinking, because it was Captain Hastings, yeah. Yeah, it's no, lovely, because no, I've listened to quite a few of them. So yeah, Good. Um, I've been, I haven't. Oh, we've got a jingle, we need a jingle. audio drama called Pact this week um, by a writer called, I think, oh, I get this wrong, I think his name's Tim Benz, but it might be Benz Tim, it was one of those, but, but it's incredible, it's acted by him, it's got a famous Manchester musician in it who also does these sort of sequences of poetry in between, um, I'll have to look this up more, I should have thought about this more earlier. earlier. What have you been um, doing all day? Yeah, no, it's true. Um, but it's the most astonishing story of two people who have a suicide pact who meet in the car. But it's just the acting is just amazing, wow. absolutely amazing acting, and beautifully done. There's an audio drama because it's not there's not too much. There's just there's just enough to take you there, and you can really see it. So it's great. Yeah, it's very nice. 
Can I just chime in with something I've thought of when you said that about audio dramas? Not technically an audio drama, but I feel like we're all going to relate. I started watching old school Fireman Sam, like <laughs> old Fireman Sam, I love that. with my son. Yeah. And I was lying there, closing my eyes, and he was watching the TV. And I've never realised before, but it's the same actor that does all the voices. No. Right? Mm. So if you um, watch Fireman Sam, the old one that we all remember, mm. um, it's I can't remember his name. It's a <laughs> John Pake, John does anyone remember Fireman Sam? And it's phenomenal. It's just a, a like masterclass in the fact that as a child and no one else ever realizes that it's just one man doing yeah. all these voices and it is brilliant. He's so a, good. It's a really interesting thing now, isn't it? Because I was listening to some of the people who were in the room earlier who were talking about animation and 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 working scripts for animation and that and sometimes kind of going they were saying either the engine was made in the shed in you know it, by the BBC for very little money and you know so they had a huge limit in terms of what they could do with it but there's also something incredibly beautiful and authentic about that yeah so mm. it's funny isn't it like it's still it's necessity still really, is the mother of yeah, invention yeah, 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 and actually yeah, to, nice. to go back to something we were talking about earlier with the format of Petticoat Council what audio drama can do is you can set something anywhere and you can switch location constantly yeah. because it's all in the imagination yeah. so as soon as you play a sound we go oh we're there now yeah. And with the storytellers, obviously what they do, it, in, a, in a play it's harder to do that. Unless you've got a full set change, you, unless you're, you've got a piece of 1920s furniture, somebody has to tell you either with costume or with something else, it's the 1920s or six months have passed. There's no way for an audience to know that unless somebody steps out the story mm. or you've got to really clunkily write it into the exposition. Mm. Like, oh gosh, this is not like the weather was six months ago, is it? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, so actually those characters are sort of born out of that device yeah, yeah. And, and quite a traditional one, I think, of like lots of touring shows like that when you're arriving and doing it out the back of a car or out the back of a van in that way, it becomes probably the best way to do it, to just go, by the way, this has now happened. Yeah. And then and everyone goes, oh, we're up to speed and we carry on with the story. It leaves less room for kind of misinterpretation as well, doesn't yeah. it? Or clunky kind of interpretation, whereas if you just announce it, yeah. it's done. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, I think that brings us to the end of this. That was lovely. lovely Thank show. you all very much. Thank you. So we're going to have, so we are at Kenilworth Arts Festival, which is finishing tomorrow, um, and I'm utterly exhausted. Uh, and then we've got more episodes coming out, which will be interviews with some of the writers and um, We've done artists. an audio drama, haven't we? So well, we, we did do an audio drama about that. Yeah, yeah, we did an audio drama so recently. So, that, so we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, that's going to be another episode. Yeah. So there's lots coming on. Um, and uh, that's, that wraps us up really for today. Yeah, goodbye. Maybe we should have a sort of theme tune goodbye from well, I feel uh, like yeah. I, I feel like everyone Can we just hear a, a round of that? I was going to say, yeah. let's have everyone's theme tune. Yeah, one more time. One more time. Yeah. Sorry, keeping you busy. <laughs>